Welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is volume 2. 25 of our favourite movies from the years 2010 to 2019. This is episode 26. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined for the first time in six months by, well, you know, we've made lots of podcasts together. In fact, this is our 100th podcast together. Ben, happy 100. Woo! I have a party popper, but I've not been to the shops because it's terrifying outside. Yes, which ruined everything. The big plan was for episode 100, we would record in person that is not remotely possible so we're going to try our best to replicate that because this is going to be somewhat of a riff tracks type deal where we are going to hit play on the movie at the same time in probably a minute or so and we're just going to record the podcast while watching it and we'll try not to just default into silence and watching it we'll try and keep talking throughout but yeah it's going to be a little bit of a different one just to get this out of the way this was obviously chosen by both of us I definitely use this as a movie to like it's like a barometer for if I'm compatible with someone's taste I think you've definitely said that about a different movie. <laughs> Iron Man 3 and Last Jedi are That's the ones it. that like, if someone dislikes, then I'm like, yeah, we're not going to get along. But this is, yeah. I saw it when I was 18. It's kind of like a perfect distillation of all of my tastes at that point yes. in time. And so it's an interesting one. We'll we'll delve into it more. Yes. And and like the point in my life where I was, because I'm arguably a bit young for, <laughs> to kind of relate to some of the stuff in the movie, but yeah. I would have been 21. So I'm probably been hit at just the right time, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, Yes, this is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. This is definitely one of the big ones that I use too. It's not if you don't like this, I don't like... Well, maybe it is if you don't like this, I don't like you. But it's just, I know that... And it's not even that this is my favourite movie in the world. It's just this is a very good way to quickly figure out are we on the same sort of vibe. Alright, I say let's do it. Three, two, one, go. <sighs> even the treatment of the Universal logo at the start, just... I mean, yeah, like, this is a big deal because, like, not every movie gets to do this like change the logo and obviously you have to have special permission uh, i think nigel godrick's the the composer on the movie did the the treatment of like the chip tune um like logo but like just so much care and an effort put into this and immediately we're into bill hader narrating the movie <laughs> oh is that bill hader it's bill hader awesome yeah, yeah uh so this is an edgar wright and I don't really like The World's End that much, but the other movie of this decade that has been disqualified would be Baby Driver, which I like an awful lot, but it's got, it's nothing on this. Um, but Yeah, I, I like Baby Driver a lot. This is, I mean, I'm going to say it now, this is my number two movie of the decade. Wow. Uh, I absolutely adore this movie. I think like, once we had it on the list and it was number one, it was kind of like the no-brainer to do, because I know you love it. Yeah, for sure. And, like, what a table we have here. Like, <laughs> other than... Right, so you've got Michael Cera, obviously. You've got Alison who, who is Who is the biggest star at this point. And that's somewhat depressing for them, <laughs> but hey. Um, Alison Pill, my darling, from the newsroom. Uh, I do not know what the, the lead... The lead singer of the band went on to do. I don't know his name. That's why I've just called him the lead singer of the band. Uh, Mark Webber playing Stephen Stills. Mark Webber. Uh, who, in the, who in the book is gay. Okay. Interestingly. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. This is obviously based on the Scott Pilgrim books by Brian Lee O'Malley, who helped with the script a great deal. Uh, but he'd only released the first volume when they decided to make this movie. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's interesting. Like the first three volumes are very closely done, and then the last three are kind of quite chopped up and different in terms of like how they're adapted. Yeah. Uh, and but that... rounding off this early part, we've also got uh, Johnny Simmons as yes. Young Neil, 
and uh, darling, darling, darling Ellen Wong as Knives Chow, who is such a wonderful find for this movie. She is. She's really great. And some stuff is happening already that solidifies Scott isn't the nicest guy in the whole world, like, and he is like the generic kind of slacker type like you know he's been in high school for forever or whatever and you know he takes knives coat and then just chucks it on the floor <laughs> like that kind of stuff um yeah and this will come up throughout scott isn't maybe the nicest guy in the world no yeah he is the archetypal kind of like oblivious person he's dating people who are five years younger than him in that kind of like borderline skeezy world mm-hmm. uh like, it's not quite not okay, but it's not really okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they are playing instruments now. So am I to understand a lot of this is Beck? Yes, Beck uh, Beck did all the the, like, the, the new com- compositions. Because obviously, like, in the comic book, they are part of Sex bob And Beck came in and did all of the, the compositions for them. And then they got different indie bands from Canada to do songs for the other bands yeah like crash and the boys yeah yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um and we've just seen the the pull out in the living room and like you know the, the lead singer is very concerned that knives should geek out and that effect already of that big pull out and her being like wow like i knew oh, yeah. by the credits hitting like this is going to be for me like the 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 typeface the pull out um the 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 bombardment of on-screen graphics has already been some of the like you know, this is um, this is Kim Pine. She's this old. She's drummer. You know that sort of stuff. Like, and this yeah, it's it's all pulled directly from the comic books. Like, this immediately is taking so much of the aesthetics of the series mm-hmm. and putting it into film. And it's kind of like this is the platonic ideal for what a comic movie can be. And not enough of them are kind mm-hmm. of taking these aesthetics. And it's just so much of the visual, so much of the the language of this movie is so firmly influenced by so many different genres that it's just just visually fascinating like we've got the opening credits on at the moment and like like this is just so cool such a cool way to like introduce your movie and that is just visually interesting in a way that so many movies aren't yeah and i know edgar wright one of his huge influences for, for this is like late 60s 70s italian cinema which is like pure imagination is how we put it and like this is very clearly not grounded in reality. And they were actually going to... I know they were playing around with the idea that at the end they were going to reveal Scott is a serial killer and everything, all the fantastical elements we're seeing were purely in his mind and he was, like, a not-well person. (laughs) And thankfully they scrapped that and were just like, no, this is just what it looks like, fuck it. We're not going to explain how he headbats a man into coins. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like so, so much, so much of this early part is pretty much. I think pretty much beat for beat, this entire movie is the first book in the series, uh, which is Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life is the first one. Um, until pretty much, like they defeat Matthew Patel, it is mm-hmm. beat for beat the first book. Is um, it kind of like one X per book almost? Yeah, each so like obviously one, two, three, three, four are each an X. Five obviously gets the Katinagi twins in one, and then six is Gideon. So yeah. there's one less book than there are boyfriends. Sure. Uh, sh- shout out to Kieran Culkin, star oh. of Hatred of Succession. <laughs> so good in this role. He's amazing. Uh, and they're itemizing all the stuff in the house <laughs> and like how all of it belongs to him and not Scott, pretty much. And yeah, just this obnoxious character. Just really establishing himself, not as Macaulay Culkin's brother, but just like just a force unto himself. Anna Kendrick's here. Like, 
so many people are in this I forgot how I forgot how fast this movie is and how there is. is like no wasted second in this movie whatsoever. Yeah. It, it's like, like it, I can see how this might annoy you in some ways. Like it is kind of frenetic and and very high energy and relentlessly sardonic and witty and everything so if that isn't your jam i get it but it is my jam so i'm all <laughs> over this and like it's just a who's who and like a significant portion of like the biggest stars around are in this like brie larson is on her way chris evans is coming up like aubrey plaza brandon ruth like it's it's amazing um, yeah it, it, it is pretty much a who's who of like not everyone who was in this as kind of a discovery has gone on to do something but like i'm happy to see anyone from this movie when they show up (laughs) um i mean kieran culkin in in succession is is absolutely tremendous it's a very similar vibe just like instead of i genuinely i watch succession and i don't know whether or not his character is supposed to be queer and i don't know how much Mm. of that is influenced by him being gay in this movie (laughs) and just a lot of kind of the ambiguous sexuality about him yes (laughs) gay as the day is long he is um and we have here already uh his character is dunking on scott for they're literally waiting outside the gates of a school to pick her up and uh now heading to the arcade because i mean I don't think he drinks, but, like, he theoretically could go to a bar. She very much obviously couldn't. Although I don't know what the ages are in Canada compared to America. Uh, yeah, so Scott Scott does drink, but it's kind of like oh, a okay. last resort type thing. Uh, like, one thing they kind of do is um, he drinks a lot of Coke Zero in the movie because he's the Zero X. Right. Or the, or the Zero is, like, a point they make in the movie. And then eventually he swaps to drinking gin and tonics, which make him... Like, when he drinks, his bad side comes out, and that's when a lot of the mistakes in the relationships start to kind of permeate. Yeah. Um, this is an additional thing that isn't in the book is them playing this this game, which obviously like you get the full circle by the end of it. But mm-hmm. it's one of those interesting things where they decided to put a, I I guess you'd call it like a non licensed game in there where they just like yeah we just have like this generic ninja type thing <laughs> rather than having to license out like a Street Fighter or or something. Yeah, and like, and there is that stuff of, you know, he's mansplaining the the history of pac-man and paku paku man and all of that sort of stuff and yeah that hit me pretty hard that was a thing of like yeah i totally rant at people about trivia that they don't give a shit about quite often and here's a podcast we do together where we kind of do that wholesale so yeah i think you either (laughs) recognize you are a scott or hopefully you aren't one at all but Hopefully you don't aren't a Scott and don't realise you are one. Well, that's the thing is, I think one of the... And I think it is something that the book doesn't do... The book does better, is that... Obviously the film does come to terms with Scott is a bit of an arsehole. Mm-hmm. And it's all about him kind of bettering himself. But the book actually has quite a lot of self-reflection that comes along. They start to reveal that like all the flashbacks he you've had to Scott treating the exit Or his ex-girlfriends mm-hmm. badly... Uh, or hit all the breakups are like in his head and he was actually like just as much of the instigator to the breakup as they were and he's kind of like rose tinted glasses these perfect relationships where they dump him out the blue when he is as much a shithead as as the rest of them and uh, it's an interesting turn the book makes um one thing i miss from the final book in the series is scott does like an apology tour of all the girls in the series so he goes to see kim pine he goes to see knives and there's a, a wonderful moment where him and Knives meet at like a club on a night out, and yep. him and, Ni- and Knives is like, I'm 18 now, so I can do things. <laughs> and then Scott just goes like, do you want to make out? And then they make out, and then the next page is like, and it was awkward for everyone. 
because it, it is that thing where it's like they've both grown up. She's moved on from Scott at that point. Um, yeah. Now he is having a dream sequence uh, of <laughs> the a kind of era-defining manic pixie dream girl is going to show up soon in Ramona Flowers, and you know I. We're all in love with Mary Elizabeth Winstead in this movie. Um, I can't help that, but I do recognise that it is very much falling into that trope. Um, in the <laughs> sorry, sorry, that visual gag is Scott, tremendous. Wallace's boyfriend. Yes, they are sharing a bed. Uh, it's yeah, fun. no, I mean Mary Elizabeth Winstead is is fantastic in this. The amount of people I know who have dyed their hair because of this movie, um, <laughs> right down to the fact that like an ex partner of mine, we went as Scott and Ramona to a, like a Halloween party together. Aww. There are pictures on Facebook. I don't know whether or not I will supply a picture of me dressed as Scott Pilgrim because <laughs> I had to curl my hair for that. For that. Um, but yeah, like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is great. Mm-hmm. She, I think they just about got around the the issue of it being Manny Pixie Dream Girl because well, I was... the, entire, the, the entire point is like he's putting her on a pedestal and he the is. movie is aware that he's doing that. Yeah, and she calls him on it towards the end as well. And she kind of doesn't have agency, but like it's not it's, it's a complicated. Plot point that she does it's a exactly. plot point that she doesn't yeah. have agency. Yes, exactly. And like I don't know if it's slightly disappointing that they end up together, but I it's I think the book gives her more to do at the very end. And obviously the, the film is like, they spend so much time on book one and kind of doing beat for beat book one. And then pretty much strip out the X fights from two and three. And then four, five and six are like the definition of a cliff notes version yeah. of those, of those fights in the book. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, like my biggest, my biggest issue is that like a lot of the supporting cast in the movie aren't given as much to do as they are in the book. Yeah. Like, like, and I don't want this to be like an entire thing because I think this is a fascinating idea of how to adapt a book. Yeah. Because it, they both work so well separately from each other. Like this is such a good movie that makes so many intelligent choices in terms of like what it chooses to adapt and what it doesn't choose to adapt. What works better in this medium than in the book medium? I love the picture that Brian Lee O'Malley draws of Ramona <laughs> just there. How was that by him? Nice. That's the end. Like he's on set, and he just draws a like a hand scribble for her. Yes. Um, this, yeah, this, is... this, this, them at the party. Uh, this was. I, I understood this very hard. Like this sucks. <laughs> I'm going to go pee due to boredom, and just obnoxious people. Just like that Cuomo character being like, yeah, their first album's better than their first. Album. <laughs> their first album's better than their first album. So many just fantastic choices of words. Like this is the perfect isolation. I don't know if you're the same as me, but this is like my music scene, my video game scene, my comic <laughs> scene, and my movie scene all swashed together. Well, into, I've like, never read Blender. Scott Pilgrim, so other uh, than that, <laughs> yeah. But, that, but that's the thing is, this movie is so much all of my tastes. Yeah, and I mean, like the things Edgar Wright just physically or visually in this movie are. Absolutely superb. Like Scott sliding in from the left hit, erasing the the writing on the wall as he goes, doubled with the failed attempt at doing the like Paku Paku speech. Yeah, like repeating which, his one like this is my routine I go through to impress girls, but like Ramona's like Yeah, but also and... <laughs> like just the difference between the two of them being yeah. like he's not into knives, so he's not flustered. Exactly. Where he is he is into Ramona, so he is completely unable to deliver the lines properly. Yeah, and this 
<laughs> stalking her all over the party right now. Um, this this is definitely a thing of guys who like girls their own age don't find them charming and interesting, but younger girls who are just kind of like caught up in the oh it's an older guy thing kind of are. So men yeah. some, some, men like, want to like... feel funny and interesting and end up going for younger women a lot of the time. Yeah, like a seventeen-year-old girl getting attention from a twenty-two-year-old yeah. is going to be treated as more intelligent and given more respect than anyone their age, and it's fucked up that that dynamic kind of continues to happen. But yeah, I, 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 like it, and it nice is the kind of girl that sadly it happens to more than more than anything else. <laughs> like, like the, the the quite shy girl who maybe isn't talking to the boys her age, and. Uh, yeah. Aubrey Plaza is tremendous yes. in this movie. I really like the... <laughs> like, it, obviously they established from the out, this is all set in Canada, and that Ramona is American and that makes her exotic. Like, that's, a, <laughs> that's an interesting, like, twist. And, uh, yeah, that she works for Amazon, and, you know, I obviously fuck that company, but, like, I don't know, like, but she roller skates around and, like, delivers these packages and she's American and she's mysterious. Um, yeah, it's a fun, yeah. fun little beat. Um, so we I did just we, we did just get the little dig, like the reference to him and Kim dating yes. in the past. Alison which... Pill is very good at just yeah, <laughs> shooting him these she, looks. She is. It's so sh- such a shame that she only really gets these kind of like reaction shots, but she is so oh, good for them. Sorry, but keys to the head. Keys so to the head is amazing. <laughs> so and good. then so so little bit of trivia. Uh, apparently, in this shot, once. Wallace falls asleep. They he they had his he had to sit there until they moved all the lighting around to. Yeah, <laughs> like, a to lot of this is shot. practical. Like you told me before we started, the opening shot where the living room extends is not CG. It's just a genuinely long room. A lot of the time, they are actually genuinely moving physical sets around and and just hiding them from the camera and stuff. Um, just. Edgar Wright is a very meticulous person. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've heard, he can be tough to deal with on sets. I'm sure, but obviously, like not to condone. I wouldn't call it abusive behavior, but definitely kind of like he is an artist and wants people to do what he needs. And you'll see it in like the map takes they do on this. It's similar to to David Fincher. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, I actually was under the impression Edgar Wright wrote this entirely by himself, but. Uh, Michael Bacall is is the co-writer here and he will go on to do 21 and 22 Jump Street and that actually makes a lot of sense to me because obviously they're not as fantastical as this but they do have that kind of offbeat energy about them and I don't know like they blend some like everyday mundanity with some incredibly yeah exaggerated I, I, weirdness what I enjoy here is that Scott has spoken to a girl at a party and immediately he is being preyed upon by the seven evil exes. <laughs> like, like they're not even dating. It's just like he's seen a girl at a party, spoken to her, and asked a bit about her. Yeah. <laughs> and then he can't even get through to the... my woman boy. <laughs> he can't even get through the email before he deletes it. Yeah, bored, bored of everything. Can't engage with anything. Uh, sitting by the door, waiting for his package. Um, and I, I do really like that dialogue of like, "Hey, dude, I've got an email. Hey, dude, I'm reading it," and stuff like that. And Oh, <laughs> waiting on the package from Ramona. Knives shows up instead, and just yeah, like I don't know if there is a sector of people who watch this movie and find Knives annoying, but like I sincerely hope that is not the intended reading. That she is just a sincere, nice person, and Scott is kind of a shitty dude, 
Um, the thing is, I, I, I know people who think that Scott and Knives should end up together at the end of it, and mm-hmm. I do not agree with that. Scott doesn't think, deserve a knife. Scott doesn't deserve a knife is the fundamental reading at the end of this. Like, Ramona and Scott, whilst it isn't as functional relationship, is, like, they are at least more on the same wave level of, like, what they need yeah. from a relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, like we we see now, Scott. Like in the beginning, it's not he was never like fully engaged with knives anyway. But like, no, he's, he was he's putting some a- level of effort into it earlier, and now he's just openly like, I don't want to be here. He's a zombie. He doesn't dare actually say the words, but he just broke up with her. I think. Yeah, he's um, he's he's dating her because it's safe because she's not threatening because exactly. she's not going to need him to be a like a real boyfriend. It's just we hang out together. Uh, he didn't break up with her. He's, oh, he did. Yes, he that's didn't. the point. He doesn't. He's too much of a coward to do so. Like, he's just like, oh, I'll just you know, let her um, <laughs> trail along behind me, and I just will eventually. She'll get the memo, maybe, and I won't have to do anything. Um, yes. So we are about to go to a battle of the bands, I believe. Indie producer of the millennium. Who would that be now? I assume that would be like Jack Antonoff. <laughs> Sure, would be like the, the Gideon Graves like <laughs> alike of this movie. Yeah, there is an awful lot of convenience there that like Ramona happens to be exes with this like giant musician, what well, music producer, um, and yeah, <laughs> that one band with Crash and the Boys. Yeah, so this was all done practically. Um, like I love goes- I love the P bar. It's so good. great. They're playing the the Zelda Fairy Fountain music in the background that they had to. I don't, I don't know if it was Miyamoto or Nintendo in general they had to ask permission for. Mm. Uh, but in the background of them shooting all this, the the terrible, ineffective brush on the towels. But yeah, they moved the locker set there instead. Yeah, and like I was stunned to hear this. I was like, Nintendo don't let people use things. Like even at twenty one, I knew that. And uh, does it play again later, or is there another Zelda-y moment? I think they do play the Zelda theme later, yeah. but yeah, this is this is like the big moment where yeah. they've got this remix. Like, oh, uh, Nigel Godric, producer of Radiohead, does an awful lot of this kind of incidental stuff in the movie. Yeah, uh, the lesbians kissing on the wall is is unfortunate. They it's called just... it no when they were labeling the apartment. I think they called it lame poster or something oh, like okay. that. So. Uh, it's, I think it's all very much a conscious choice to cultivate this. And, you know, like, mattress on the floor, like, that kind of stuff. They're, they're very poor millennials. Uh, <laughs> 33 takes it took for them to do this shot coming up now. Of throwing the Amazon package in the bin, yeah. Oh, it's just so good. And the Zelda thing as well, like, I always liked when um, Knives asked young Neil, so what are you playing? He's like, oh, that's a tough question. A lot of Zelda, you know. <laughs> like, Tetris, Mario. Tetris, Mario. Um, yeah. I'm probably, I'm probably young Neil if I'm anyone. <laughs> Just funny. kind of bumbling along. I think I am an unfortunate uh, rehabilitated Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> that's who we don't want to be. No, I know, I, but I'm I'd rehabilitated. Actually, I'd actually intrigued. Intrigued. I, do I just buy either Scott Pilgrim books and force you to read them? I mean, I want to read them. I just keep meaning to get around to it. Like, I have an enormous list of like the essentials. There it is. Amazon package in the bin. Um, 33 takes that two-second shot. <laughs> yes. Uh, take note of these railings that they are meeting at for Captain America will soon be here to meet his doom. Um, yeah, just... Like... I kind of don't buy that she would find him in any way charming, but I guess he just has such a, like... I think it's like the soft boy in him, you know? That, like, sure, he is very try-hard, but he's also not, like, 
full-on macho douchey, you know? So I guess that, like, gets him in in a way. I, I also think it's very much like, I like that all of her exes are very different. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, And obviously, yeah. <laughs> and Scott is um, kind of the an- antithesis of all of them. I think, mm-hmm. like, you, you can see, you can draw a line between, like, uh, like, Chris Evans, Brandon Routh, the Katinaga twins. Yeah. And then, and then, like, Gideon Graves to Scott vaguely makes sense in terms of their general demeanour, but, like, the three of them in a row are, like, quite muscle-bound. And... Mm-hmm. She went through her face. Yeah. <laughs> she did go through her face. No, yeah. that's the thing. I, I appreciate the movie's diversity here. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, a bit, it's a little bit of a shame that, like, the, the Japanese and the, and the Indian actors aren't, like, names in comparison yeah. to the others. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think they were, like, apparently, um, Spoilers for what's going to come in a second. Edgar Wright tried very hard to make sure he cast no British people in these movies because obviously very well known for Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz prior to this. Hmm. So he didn't want any Brits. And one snuck through, which is Matthew Patel, who is who is a British person. And they, I don't think he had any clue until he showed up on set. Ah, uh, okay. Satya Baba? Baba, yes. Baba. Yes. Um, Scott doing that. She said some, you know, she said a long sentence and he just repeated tongue like you know he is who he is uh here we have all these t's i believe she insisted on memorizing them and they were willing to like let her read them off a thing in front of her but she was like no no i got this um impressive like and him being like did you make some of those up i want some tea now (laughs) yeah sleepy time sleepy time and yeah like calling this like ramona come closer and all that and like this is very clear. Like, Scott is... Like, <laughs> I can't believe that... I guess it's just I was quite young. But, like, that he is so, like, this type of person. That he has, like, engineered this situation <laughs> to not make it very clear he's trying to bang her. But, like, very clearly is, like, Oh, what if I were just in the room while you were topless? Oh, no, what's happened here? Oh, we're kissing. Um, yeah, like... Also... I don't know if this is intentional, but Michael Cera looks like a terrible fucking kisser. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. I don't know. There's that whole episode of Arrested Development where they dunk on George Michael for being a bad kisser and they break down his technique and everything. <laughs> and oh, here you go, it? stuff like this. Like, oh, we could just get under the blanket in the bed. Like, you know, it's an innocent kind of predatory uh, behaviour by him. I, and like, it's yeah. not like she's not interested, but... Yeah. No, but I do enjoy the kind of the the revelation afterwards where like they start doing this and then immediately she's like, Cool and done. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've 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 yeah, I'm not into it anymore, but I reserve the right to change my mind later. Like that's that's nice. Like we should teach this kind of thing to men. Um that yeah. yes he's isn't not, a permanent. He, he doesn't yes. do he doesn't do about the guilt trip thing where it's like, oh but Blue balls, don't I get like a lame hand job for, 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 <laughs> oh, being, for the, being here and existing? The sad gentleman's hand job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like he's not like the complete worst person in the world. Like, I don't think we should give him bonus points for like accepting this very normal thing. But like, no, I think I think it's more that he is um, unaware of his faults and yes. kind of pushing all the reasons why the relationships fail on other people, and as we see with this relationship, it decidedly isn't a one-way street for the reason why, like, this relationship doesn't work out, or why knives doesn't work out, but 
it's interesting to see it in kind of relation to to envy when he's talking about envy and like oh the bitch that broke his heart and yeah all of that stuff he's he's that like he's that person who like his biggest fault is thinking he's good yes like like he assumes he is in the right because he broadly has good values uh and sorry just... I, I i adore the i did totally come line and uh, <laughs> uh sadly i own that t-shirt i'm wearing it as we record oh <laughs> oh so good kieran Culkin cracking onto anna kendrick's boyfriend uh and it works like by uh, does he wake up in the bed with them in the next scene he does i mean they have the they have the like the threesome slash foursome like way way later on in the movie where like the the subtle polydynamics of the the homosexual in the movie uh yes i love everything and also um scott like you know (laughs) literally running away as his two women congregate in the same area he hasn't bothered to break it off with knives and he's just gone straight ahead with ramona i assume all of those illustrations of the other bands are also yes they are all drawn by brian lee o'malley i am i love the drummer (laughs) drummer unknown because i don't know it's a tiny girl (laughs) is that girl a boy yes (laughs) uh Uh, so yeah these ones which one were they written by uh, do do do. Crash the Boat Warriors songs were written by uh, Broken Social Scene, who have a song that appears later on this movie. Mm. Uh, obviously, as we're about to find out, the songs are very very short. <laughs> yeah, there is. Well, they play that like three second song, and then when they boo them, they play like a much. Oh, it's happening like literally right now. Yeah, is that girl a boy too? Yes. <laughs> and they play a three. <laughs> they have a girl drummer. I am so sad. I am so very very sad. Which is from the book. The title there is, is surely longer than the song. <laughs> I am so sad. So I am so very, very sad. sad. I guess, yeah, about the same length. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it meant to be a joke that, like, I actually think Sex Bob on kind of rule, but everyone's like, the the joke within the film is they suck. <laughs> I think they're good enough, but, like, it's very much like they're every band. I guess, them. but, like, they treat them like they are the D chords coming off the guitar. So yeah, good. this is this is actually, I believe, last song kills audience, uh, but they cut a song in the middle. Um, Some excellent uh, statue work here by Michael Cera and Alison Pill. <laughs> Scott, uh, will you please stop just standing there? You're freaking me out. I love that the the subtitles are erased by his head a little bit. Yeah. Just, I love when words do that in movies when they're a little bit interacting with yes. The, the environment around that them. they disappear behind objects and get wiped away and all of that sort of stuff um yeah ramona dangerously close to finding out the truth oh so no. we play now <laughs> <laughs> oh my god sarah's hair is enormous <laughs> uh yeah here we go sex bob about to play their second song is this the garbage man one uh, I believe it is garbage truck. Yeah. <laughs> God, like that's the thing is everything about this movie is so carefully crafted, and uh, I mean I know Edgar Wright's a massive fan of Beck, but I can only imagine him nerding out that he's got Beck mm. to write all of these songs. So good. This movie. Uh... <laughs> I have definitely started a podcast in the past with "We Are Sex Bob," and then one, two, three, and then the actual podcast. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't love Beck, and this isn't the greatest song, but the, the, the one from the intro, like, I think that's a really cool song, and 
Yeah, I, I don't buy their making these sounds from their instruments, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of them did play the instruments also. Like, like uh, Michael Sarah is a trained bass yes, player. Yes, him he played... and uh, Clark, Clark Duke, that's his name, not Clark Rex. Yes. Um, yeah, they're like best friends and they're in a band. And Yeah, I think I think he was the bass player for the Unicorns for a little bit as well, which is a new band in Canada. Okay. I, I might be misremembering that. Uh, Mark Webber did learn how to sing all the songs as well, okay. which is very cool. I don't I mean, know if Alison Pearl drums, but <laughs> I, I would have to assume that she learned to drum for this yeah. movie because they seemed quite into like all of it. Like I think they did like ten months worth of training for the fight scenes and also music training to make sure that they could do it all believably on screen. Nice. And probably the most accomplished musician they have in the film is Jason Schwartzman, who doesn't touch an instrument. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he was the drummer I mean... in uh, Phantom Planet, right? Oh yes, he was absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so good. Edgar Wright should make music videos, and here comes Matthew Patel. Edgar Wright does make music videos. He does? Oh, of course he does. Sorry, yeah. But he should make yeah. more of them. <laughs> the music video for um, for Baby Driver is based on a music video he did for... Uh, oh, God, what's the band called? I don't know. That's something you can look up in real time and reveal how smooth we're actually not when we do the normal episodes. Yes, uh, our first fight. Here we go. Like It's been fantastical up to this point, but... We're literally about to have a video game fight as there are kapows and people flying all over the place. And I just find it interesting that like people simultaneously are nonplussed and amazed by the things they do. Like, it's, like I think later on it's like, you made my boyfriend explode into coins, <laughs> you know? Like, but then they're also like really shocked as they're flying about this place. That's like, there's a lot of like nonchalance towards death in this movie. Yes. The combo counter, the sound effects. I think this is my least favorite fight of all of them. Mm. Mostly, be mostly because like I think all the others feel like they pull from like really obvious ones, whereas like there's a little bit of like the racial stereotype with this one. Well, he is about to do a little Bollywood dance number. Which... That's. I mean, like, the Bollywood dance number is good fun, but it does feel a bit more. Like, it's a cultural basis rather than, like, a nerdy basis, but... I and mean, I am glad that he at least has this kind of, like, emo aesthetic to him. That... He looks like he's in My Chemical Romance. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. And, yeah, Scott not paying attention to the, the seven evil exes and everything. Just like, sorry, what? What's going on here? Um, just fighting a complete stranger to the death and not knowing why. Just good stuff there. Um... And we're going to get these illustrations uh, that every time there's an X, I think the twins don't get one. Or yeah. maybe they do, but... Yeah, they, they basically pull the backstory from the comic Yeah, uh, and, and shove it into the movie. Yeah, but like, I guess it's coming in a, another second or two, but it's or maybe it's afterwards and she explains why she went out with it's, them. It's, it's afterwards, but before okay. the, the Bollywood girls show up. Okay. Um, um, I, I, th I can't remember who it was, but I remember there was one person who saw the movie early because this movie had like a whole protracted uh, hype cycle where they premiered at Comic Con like a couple of weeks before it premiered. Um, but one of the early like celebrity viewers was like, one of the most impressive things about Michael Serra is he's a bit like Bugs Bunny in that. Yes. You just punch <laughs> him in the face, and it's not, and it's funny. Like he's ju just got this great physicality to the way that he takes a punch and is oh, in the movie. So, like he's such a gangly boy, and he's. <laughs> got such a sleepy doofus face and he's so like you know the memes of him just like 
there's that shot, I assume it's from when they were filming this, of him and Aubrey Plaza sitting in a diner and there's like four excited teenagers around him and he looks so like uncomfortable to be there. Here we go. So yeah, this this little, are these just like panels from the comic essentially? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty much animated from the comic. They, they did a bonus one on the DVD as well, which was the story of how um, Kim and Scott started dating where like Scott breaks up a fight at a neighbor school where Kim has been kidnapped. Okay. Um, which is a fun one where they come back to you later and it's like Scott just beat up this kid in glasses like horrifically <laughs> okay. to, to win Kim Pine. Um, I also like, like, like we were talking about how like Scott is kind of how he relates to these exes and like Ramona and Matthew kissed once and then yeah. after a week and a half broke up. This is very like the one couple in school that are holding hands and they're going out for like three weeks, you know. Yeah, it's got like that the movie, kind of the movie is it. taking it very literally of like, you know when you're like seven years old and you refer to that girl as your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. But like, all you do is you sit next to each other on the bus. Or... But like, this dude's been pining over her ever since. And it's like, oh, dude. <laughs> like... Which is potentially like weirder than everyone else in this movie because at least... Is that Crash and the Boys dead now, by the way? Yes. As fireballs are flying around. Oh, so they win by default, don't they? Yes, they do. (laughs) They murder the other band. Failing upwards, white people. (laughs) Yeah, Scott gets his reward, obviously, since it's the first level. Doesn't get a lot of money for it. No. I do like that he uses the coins to buy bus money. uh, (laughs) As bus money at some point. Uh, Bill Hader's voice doing the KO again. I do like, because he's also the voice of the ninja... Uh, arcade game as well. Just all the voiceover, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's just a fun role for him. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? So the coins drop, and then he goes, "Oh, coins!" And they're actually. It was nice to you tell your gay friends I said bye. Gay <laughs> <laughs> and then they're making out. Wallace again. again. <laughs> yes, Wallace does this, and it's this sort of. Like... I like that there's a subtle undercurrent to it that Stacy and and Wallace have the same taste in men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also like. The boyfriend is making out with him in that way of like I can hear you like shouting at me, but I actually would quite like to finish making out with him first. It's sort of like a sorry not sorry kiss. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're on the bus, and he's going to have to actually listen to the exposition this time. He's got a nice old X Men patch on his jacket there. Good stuff. X because X is yeah, but it's X Men. <laughs> It is excellent, but it is also yes the X's and the little the little kisses on her phone number represent the seven evil X's as well. It's all very fun and winky. So I was gonna, I was going to ask, what was your story of coming to this movie? Like, was it just you saw trailers for it and were like, oh, I'm in? I I think it was just in that period where I was. Oh, they kissed for the first no, not for the first time. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Seinfeld stinger as he walks in is good. Um, this was just during a period where I was seeing everything that came out with a friend. We would go every Friday, every Saturday, and just be like, sure, this is on, why not? Um, and I knew nothing about it whatsoever, and that's probably the purest experience, because these days they'd give you so many of these visual gags in the trailer, and I haven't actually seen trailers for this, but like... Oh, Edgar Wright, like, went through and personally did every single trailer and, like, edited them, and I was obsessed. I think he did, like, um, similar to how Amazon do their, like, x-ray stuff. Right. Where, like, they give, like, little beats and stuff like that. He did, like, one on the website where it went through step-by-step and told you what the references were, what the songs were, what it was pulling from, and it was, like, I could tell it was exactly my kind of movie because he was just diving deep into all these, like, little interstitial references. Yes. Even in the in the advertising for the movie, not even like the movie's not out at that point. Yeah. 
But I can't stress enough how, like... <laughs> double standards here. Um, yeah, to see this sight unseen and just have them... Just have this wash over me. I was like, what is happening? I, like, I had never seen anything like this, ever. Um... We've got Scott here being like, but it's hard when he's being encouraged to break up with knives. Like, yes, he is the slouchy fuckboy. Our first mention of Lucas Lee, some great fake films advertised there with him in. Great fake trailer. Yeah, on Spike, of course. Oh my god. I could not be more in love with this performance by Chris Evans. Like, thinking about where he came from, and he isn't Captain America yet, and a lot of people were, like, not sold on this dude. And him doing this fake action movie bit of, like, me pulling the trigger. It's, like, so good. Like, And I would love to see... They shouldn't do it. I would love to see a Lucas Lee movie. Or, like, a, or like a, some kind of side spin-off, spiritual sequel type thing with him doing that kind of a performance throughout. Um, because it's just so funny. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is that weird thing where, like, it feels like he's ramping up for this kind of, like, winky career where he isn't quite a lead... Hmm. After after God, like, Fantastic Superman and Captain Marvel standing next to each other, there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, no. Knives has changed her hair. She has. Uh, Scott is very much not going to change his hair throughout the film. <laughs> He's scared of haircuts because haircuts mean breakup. Right, of course, of course. Uh, and Ramona is going to change her hair as well. So, you know. People around him are changing, and he won't change. There's another thing there for you. Um, yeah, no, like so. So with with me in this movie, I think this was coming in the era where I was like, I need to read lots and lots of comic books, and mm-hmm. so I think I've previously said like what the first comic books I bought were. Scott Pilgrim was like the tail end of that, and I bought the first volume. Yeah. So you're like, right, Watchmen completed it. I get comics. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Like, yeah, going for the complete opposite. No, I was like, I did Watchmen, Fables, Why the Last Man, Sandman, so like the the independent greats, and then mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't know whether or not Edgar Wright was announced as directing it, and I wanted to read the book it was based on, or whether or not it was like one of those things that was recommended at the time, but I bought like the first four volumes at the time, or five volumes at the time, I basically binged them all, Yeah, and then was like, oh, I am so fucking into this movie now, this is going to be like my next great love and just followed the hype cycle religiously watched wow. every single trailer every single interview yeah um i knew nothing about it whatsoever <laughs> like completely out of nowhere i love this like you know he has finally awkwardly broken up with knives and like it goes from this like sad breakup montage to him just like now everything's gonna be 100 percent good i like that he's learned the final fantasy 2 baseline <laughs> like possibly the least renowned of all the final fantasies <laughs> and yet this is the one that gets stuck in my head yeah there you go then um yeah so scott is like floating on cloud nine he's like yeah everything's good now i've got <laughs> i was important i have doing that i have that shot. i have that gif saved on my phone it's one of the two moments i i bring out whenever needed from this movie i'll bring up the other one when it happens <laughs> yeah uh so yeah he's like 100 percent convinced everything's fine now he broke up with knives he's with ramona Everything's fine, but here is the doorbell. <laughs> he is. That's the thing is, he is so okay. So Ramona's dyed her hair, which is obviously like the end of Scott's world because he hates change. Mm-hmm. But I love how much of an excited puppy he is. That like he didn't care about the band when he was sad, and he yes. also doesn't care about the band when he's happy. Yes, he doesn't it's care about just, the band. <laughs> he doesn't care about the band. And 
when he leaves, they're better. Um, yeah, her saying, like, I, leave, I change my hair every week and a half, dude. Like, while it is a manic pixie dream girl thing, I feel that is actually a very true-to-life type of of woman who does change her hair very frequently and, like, you see I'm these so things going around. Hair, though. I know, I know. You see these things going around of she is the blueprint. And I feel at one point it was Ramona Flowers and then people started saying it's um, Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You who is far more just, like, a moody feminist kind of thing. But yeah, um, yeah, he is completely freaking out about changing hair. We have the garlic bread thing coming up in a second, which... Oh just so on point like bread makes you fat like that I, is that is the other moment i have saved you to, <laughs> to, to bust out i have that like that is scorched into my memory because like i remember where i was when i found out bread isn't good for you <laughs> i was like what but i was raised to believe you know bread and meat and <laughs> a good hearty meal but no um yeah and like the you undercurrent said a second and a half base <laughs> <laughs> one under under like rated thing about this movie is that I, I know it's all shitty millennial food mm-hmm. or like shitty food that someone who like lives singly in a, their bedroom whatever it is would eat but I always want bacon and garlic bread after watching this movie mm. yeah like <laughs> and also sitting on the floor they don't have a sofa their, bed, their mattress is on the <laughs> bread makes you fat um, <laughs> the bottle of wine that she's got the, 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 Coke, the Coke Zero, zero the for him yeah it's his shitty song he wrote her <laughs> just her name yeah and like yeah he's struggling here like we talked about it like how he was flustered when he was first trying to hit on her and like he did slightly relax but like he's now trying too hard again and he just doesn't he can't engage i guess she's just scared him like the the hair has changed and he's intimidated by what a like actualized person she is i guess um and maybe she isn't actually but you know she is far more decisive than him and <laughs> the insecurity about the haircut as well. Um, My big X. Everyone's got that big X. I do. That they refer to as the big X. I do. <laughs> the illustration of the haircut. It doesn't even look that bad. It does from certain angles. <laughs> like when you see how much of it is at the there is at the back. I don't know. <laughs> It was um, a mutual thing, it wasn't. I mean, she told me it was mutual. <laughs> she dumped him, it was brutal. Yeah, nice little illustration of Envy there. I did not who, know who Brie Larson was. was. Was she famous when this came uh, out? She had a couple of credits to her name. I think I had seen her on United States of Tara, where she's very good, although obviously not the lead. Mm. She was a singer like she had a couple of albums yes. but they were all uh, yeah. kind of like very much like teen pop idol type I think thing. I remember a podcast listening to her and how like it was that thing you know she moved to LA and it was like yeah we're gonna make you a pop star and like all just so incredibly rote and everything but yeah I feel like all the time people discover her in this film and like oh my god this is Brie Larson yeah it's uh, such a star making performance she's so like, good from, from two seconds and is it yeah, her it, on the soundtrack it uh, I think on the soundtrack, it's Metric doing the song. Oh, it is a, yeah, it's a discarded metric. like Metric B-side, uh, but obviously she does sing the track live in the movie. Right. Yeah. And here we go. Here comes Chris Evans coming out of already... the trailer to the Universal theme. No, no, no. The, the 20th Century Fox theme, which I can only uh, imagine is a real bitch it's for them to... No, it's Fox. It's Universal. 
It says in the subtitle, Universal Theme. Alright, I'm wrong. Yeah. Fox is the, uh, you know, before Star Wars with the spotlight and everything. Oh, of course. Yeah. Anyway, here is Captain America. And they they call action. He calls action for himself and goes straight at Scott, ignores the movie. Oh, he's so good. He looks so different as well. Like the eyebrows. I don't like, I I don't like the beard. Yeah, I mean, it It fits what they're going for. Is he is oh, no, a hyper macho douchebag. Um, I'm just obsessed with this vocal performance that, like. <laughs> oh, God. I, I did have to warn some people before. I was explaining what we were going to do with this episode, and I was like. We'll try and not go silent and just watch it, but I will warn you that when uh, Chris Evans shows up, I probably will just silently swoon because, <laughs> my God, sup? He seems nice. Like that uh, is a shot directly from the comic book. Like nice. they got to film at the location. I mean, I don't think it's that hard because I like pe- movies film in Toronto and Canada, but quite often it's never used as the actual self. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, it's always. Uh, it's like Vancouver as. As Boston or whatever. I remember in um, Studio 60 on Sunset Strip, they're talking about filming movies and like how they're going to film in Vancouver. And he's like, Vancouver doesn't look like anywhere. It looks like Boston, California and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, like actually embracing that this is Canada. We've got stunt doubles here that don't look anything like <laughs> Chris Evans. But that, but... The best thing is, like, I don't think you realise how little stunt, stunt people look like the actors they're supposed to be, because yeah. they're always in wide shots. Yeah, like David Litch does not look like Brad Pitt. Like, <laughs> Chad Sahelski does not look like Keanu Reeves. Which one looks least like it? I think it's the Asian guy in the back. <laughs> yeah, that one is the wrong ethnicity, it's probably. Yeah. Oh, God. So good. This is, Has this he is said, like I'm going to get blazed in my window? His... This is the peak of him doing the Bugs Bunny thing. Yes, yes. Does, has he already said, I'm going to get blazed in my Winnie? He has already said that. So good. <laughs> um, I yeah. like that they make Michael Sarah into like a realistic action star. Yeah, he's not like, doing can... like roundhouses, but he's kind of... Oh, he just kind of did one. Um, <laughs> he's not like... Alright, he is actually doing some martial arts here, but like... But that's the thing, know. is like they trained for so long. Obviously, a lot of those shots where he was facing away, I presume, are stunt doubles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, but like, he did do training for 10 months for this movie. He did. Like, he probably does as much training as Marvel stars do nowadays, except he doesn't have the personal trainer who's like, right, we're yeah. going to work on your glamour muscles for the next six months so we can do the three topless shots in the movie. <laughs> that's actually hilarious. It's so good. Um, <laughs> Scott, throughout this, is wearing his hat because of the one comment about the hair. Um, that will magically appear back on his head near the end of the movie as well. Like, so insecure as well. Um, I can't remember if this is the... So in the comic book, I think he dies in the same way. But mm. I think they have a, like... They have, like, another fight in between, I think. Or maybe no, maybe this happens, like, really early on in the second book, and then the second half of it is all build up to meeting Todd. Right. So, like, the first half of it is pretty much beat for beat, and then the second half is, like, all setting up Envy for later on. Yeah. Do you have a favourite X? As in, uh, evil X? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's got to be Lucas. Yeah? Like, it's it's Lucas or Todd. Yeah. I I personally love this performance the most, but I think the com- I think Todd brings you Brie Larson, it brings you Vegan Police. Like, I think as a it brings you the base battle, which yeah, 
Ex- yeah, as an extended sequence, I think it's the best. But Chris Evans is just eating scenery here. Like, um, the grind thingy he's about to do on this rail. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, like, the thing that makes him do it is like, well, there are girls watching. And it's like, yes, this is what would make him do this. Um, oh, God. And, yeah, it's the railing, you know, the steps I walked up earlier, like... It feels like a real town. It's not like a convenient... It's not like Power Rangers where we're in the industrial zone and now we're in the quarry and now we're in the park. <laughs> what is this place? <laughs> and now we've all made it really big. We're now going to, to, to fight in buildings. Not Tokyo. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are girls watching. <laughs> and then here he is, thirsty for him, handing him the board. Big fan, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> and they're going to do this like back and forth wow thing as he's going so ridiculously fast uh, we're now just describing things that happen in the movie we are just we are describing it if you're watching along with us uh, I, like, I love the aesthetics of all this like it's so yeah. extra and the aspect ratio just... is changing when they go to Lucas <laughs> yeah it's just crazy enough that like it doesn't look dated yeah in a way that makes it unwatchable this is probably a good (laughs) the coins in the background um this is probably a good point to point out that this movie cost 85 million dollars and made barely 48 like a massive financial failure but like you can see why this costs almost 100 million without a big star attached to it because so much of you know like Endgame and all that, like, you're trying to pay 30 of the biggest actors going, almost. Um, So that's driving the budget up. But no one on this is surely making more than a few million dollars. Like, if that even. Like, I obviously you've got to pay Michael Cera (laughs) as he's spelling things out with fridge magnets. Sorry, I just like the sucks everything (laughs) with the infinity sign. Turning the eight sideways, yeah. Um, But yeah, like, this movie is dripping in visual effects and the music probably isn't a huge contributor but just you know it this this movie seems like it was hard to make <laughs> you know yeah like more time and effort was put into it i remember there was um i think it was every show painting the youtube series uh shout out to the lesbian jokes yes break um, out the l word lesbian break out- <laughs> the other l word lesbians <laughs> um but yeah every painting did a, uh, a section on Edgar Wright and mm-hmm. visual humor in that in this time period, a lot of, and I, I think I touched on it on probably in both National of the Dead and Superbad episode, which is the American comedy scene at this point in time is becoming more and more like the Apatow system, where mm-hmm. you are just hiring funny people to talk shit in a room, record it, and then use the best takes. Yeah, and you end up with, with these weird non sequiturs and obvious choppy improv moments and stuff like that um yeah whereas all of this is so carefully thought out and put in and the visual style of it is so much more interesting than the vast majority of the american comedy directors at this time are doing it's like yeah this is so meticulous it is so there is no room for improv here oh that picture of them (laughs) together free larson's terrible blonde wig i assume wig um yeah, I always imagine when they make these movies that, like, you know, they obviously need these, like, photographs as, as props. And, like, is it fun to just go for an afternoon and pretend to be a family or pretend to be husband and wife or whatever? <laughs> like, you know, and just, like, throw on some hats and some <laughs> costume changes and do this quick uh, photo library. Yeah. yeah. I, it's interesting because I do think, 
like because obviously after this the movie that um well after this Edgar Wright returns to England does World's End the movie he's got lined up after that is a movie we've talked about which is Ant-Man well this kind of didn't this like contribute to him not ending up making it him jumping out the window um like he paused work on Ant-Man to make this for two years I think and yeah, like in like, a world I, where I he doesn't Ant-Man... make this does he successfully make Ant-Man well, that's the thing. Is Ant-Man kind of comes out before the MCU is coalesced, whereas when he returns to Ant-Man after doing two movies, like the, the MCU exists, and I think that's kind of what stifles his ability to make an Edgar Wright movie. Exactly. So I'm sure he would have pushed on a lot of this stuff. And and maybe Disney... in the early going of that, before it becomes like a, everything must line up and be coherent, he probably has an easier time getting that through. Yes. Um, but that, that period, especially between Avengers and... I don't know, Guardians? Doctor Strange, maybe. Doctor Strange. Like, I, th- I think it takes him a while to kind of react to like having creatives have do interesting things. It's like... It probably is James Gunn starts to change that you don't really feel until you get that like one-two push of um, Kugler and... Yep. And to what to teach with yeah, Taika Waititi. Yeah, but, sorry, I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to stammer <laughs> in this. No editing to save you. Here. Uh, <laughs> Mae Whitman is here. Uh, George She's Michael's great. girlfriend in Arrested. Yeah, the, the one Arrested Development actor who kind yeah. of crosses over. So good. You punch me in the boo. Prepare to die. Obviously, did you make that? Where's that from? My brain. I, like... Yeah, I I enjoy that they have. Well, I mean, I guess she isn't. Like Ramona isn't bisexual really because she calls it a phase so you don't want to like apply yeah. a, a thing to it but i do enjoy there is a casualness to the way that sexualities are kind of tossed off yeah in the movie yeah and like it's obviously not a groundbreaking thing for like gay representation or queer representation and stuff like that because you know there's one female ex but you know there is one female ex yeah. in there and like you know that, that doesn't happen maybe a decade earlier or something like that. Or if it is, it's treated as a joke, you know? And it kind of is here, but the joke is on Scott because he's kind of oblivious. He's and... so freaked out by her having the one... Actually, they barely even mention her having, like, the one female ex. No one else seems to bat an eyelid to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, I... the joke is frequently on Scott more than it is anyone else. Yeah. And, like, they made this movie in the 90s. It's like, oh, a female ex. And it's like, yeah, it's it's made a big thing of... Um, Aubrey Plaza teleporting around the movie is a fun little beat. In the, You know, she doesn't have a lot of scenes. And, like, I along just with Brie es- Larson, it is kind of that thing of, oh, she's in this. Um, yeah, the escalation of the scene is great. Like, going from Stacey, Stacey escaping the, the coffee bar to then having Julie Powers just swear at him with the great special effect on the top of it. Yes. Uh, followed by him running into Ramona and then finally doubled up with him turning around thinking he sees a cardboard cutout of Envy and it actually being Brie Larson there it is she's standing in front of the poster in fact I think yeah and then she walks out of it perfect post (laughs) yeah oh she is so good she was so good on the phone call as well that like oh you know like the she knows what she's doing. Like, she's it, playing it. Was, it. it was actually annoying <laughs> to, talk, back on his to talk to a friend the other week and, like, kind of talking about Captain Marvel and they were saying, like, oh, I don't think I've seen her anything before or she's not memorable or anything. And I was like, she won an Oscar <laughs> before this. And, like, maybe I'm coming from a place where, like, I go see things like Room in Short Term 12. Mm-hmm. But Brie Larson has very firmly been on my wavelength ever since, like, this movie and United States of Tara. That mm. To hear someone kind of go, like, oh, she's not that good. And while she's not got the greatest range in the world when the world she still is someone who i like to see in these kind of things yeah and she's a she's a likable person you know like 
she is a good person behind the camera and like I think she plays that like um you know you say she hasn't got a lot of range but she plays that small range very well and like especially coming out of short time 12 I was like oh wow um because mm. like I'd seen her in Don John and Jump Street and you know those kinds of things and I didn't really remember her from this but I'd obviously seen this but like yeah she was it her that like <laughs> right, one, so, one, two, four in a bed. It's, it's, it's these kind of visual gags that I love, and I'm sad that Edgar Wright didn't get to do Ant Man. And it's not to say that Peyton Reed isn't <laughs> a good choice to replace him on it, because like Peyton Reed does the the fantastic phone call sequence in yeah. uh, Down with Love. Okay, yeah. Uh, if you've if you've seen Down with Love, not recently. Ah, uh, it's it's there's a brilliant scene where Renee Zellweger and Hugh McGregor are on the phone, and everything they're doing is like shot in split screen and like them faking having sex whilst doing it like he starts doing push-ups and she's lying on the floor but the way that it's cut together it looks like he's doing push-ups down on top of her it's it's wonderful and it's the kind of visual humor this movie's going for it's just every Edgar Wright is obviously someone who is going for something so much bigger than you kind of expect yeah with these like like oh could we do this practically yes we can do it practically so let's do it practically (laughs) Can like, we hire multiple like musical artists to write original music for this? Yes, we can. Let's do it. Yes. Now, Knives throughout this movie calls Ramona a fat ass. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I, I think it's, you know, she is 17. It is that, like, <laughs> a fat ass hipster chick. And she's now going to dye her hair blue like her. I, I do think it is that very much, like... It, Yes, it's bad. Um, and, like, I don't yeah. know if it's, like, packaged in with, like, also she's a white girl and I don't want to get into stereotypes, but, you know, Asian women are generally more petite, so I don't know if that is supposed to be yeah, packaged but, in there. Yeah, but... I think they are They are kind of, like, it's very much like a 17-year-old girl type thing where, like, I'm going to take the piss out of something that's obvious. Yeah, and, like, being fat is the worst thing you can be when you're a teenager. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and the friend kind of going, like, I think you mentioned she's fat. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't particularly care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that about it. A, a, generation, <laughs> a generation of girls dyeing their hair in this style, like knives, I feel, were born from this scene. Young Neil, oh my god, you're so cute. Like, yeah, all so good here. Like, you know, even in her rage, she is summoning up the cutesy, like, way of speaking and everything. And stuff like that. Like, they've just played at this bar, and they're decent, and then everyone's just completely blanking them. Uh, and they have to, like, run off. Well, that's the thing, is, like, you, we've all been to those gigs where, like, the first band on, you're like, I, I've never heard of them before, I don't particularly care. Sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, like... I will never hear this band again. There's a reason you're the support act. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, oh, God. <laughs> the size difference. I know, she's so it's, tiny. It's like a foot. I, th- I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is actually quite tall. Um, I, I think she is too. Yeah, but it looks so good, and especially, like, I don't know what, like, in Knives' head, <laughs> in Knives' head, it's like, how do you justify the like or you know make peace with the fact that like you have dyed your hair the same color and stuff like that when you're trying well, so to do that's like... the thing is, i think so much of it is this is a practical effect they did they built this wheel <laughs> and spun it until they got that that correctly um <laughs> uh but no i think it is very much that thing where like even though she spends the entire time taking the piss out of of of, of, of uh, ramona 
of Ramona. She but she wants to be her. She wants to be her. So like, it's all kind of very ineffectual. Um, oh God! Yeah, as I said earlier, this is an offcut of a metric song called "Black Sheep" that yeah. they lent to the band, uh, lent to the movie, and. I mean, I, I prefer Brie Larson's vocals on it, to be honest. And I'm glad that her version is on the DVD. You can listen to it. Uh, yeah, she's a star from this moment. Yeah. Like, this so is good. the birth of a star. Just the opening. Oh, oh so good. So, so good. Um, again, we'll try not to just go silent and enjoy I, this. I but this, it's this, that this, kind of a this, scene. Yeah, this is like the scene in the movie that like, I frequently put on this video on YouTube. Brandon Ruth just staring him down. He's I, fucking one thing Superman. About... Like, <laughs> I can't stress enough that he was Superman. Like, how yeah. long before this was he Superman? Uh, about four years. And I think they were still developing the vague idea of doing Superman Returns 2. Yeah. It, it, it does kind of suck that, like, he's so been discarded as, like, the joke Superman. But, like... I mean, he's, he's solid in a movie which, sadly, is tainted by its director at yeah, this point. It is. But, like... I prefer it to Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah, no, same. It's a better movie than Man of Steel. And, and, and I like, think I'm, I'm glad he got to play him it. again. Yeah, I'm glad he got to play him again yeah. in the DC TV shows. Um, I will say one thing that I'm sad about is the drummer of the band of Clash of Demon Head is sad. Is in the comic books, she's got robot arms. Okay. And she, I think she's the one that punches the highlights. Yeah, out of the hair in the comic book with her robot arms. Scott's t-shirt at an all-time uh, <laughs> not subtle moment there. Zero, the zero. X. <laughs> oh god, so good. Like, I think this sequence now is when I kind of went from I'm enjoying this movie to oh no, this is a movie I will watch whenever it's on TV. Yeah. Is just the the way that this scene kind of unravels. Yeah. Oh God! What lives? Uh, so yeah, so so, which, so would you say that like, what what is it that you think kind of this movie nails the most, or is it just the kind of general aesthetic? I think it's the style. Like it's within thirty seconds, it is perfectly realized. Like the on-screen graphics, the like diegetic props and music, the transitions, yeah. the like you... rapidity of it. Yeah, when you saw it in the cinema, did you see it with someone who wasn't kind of in this bubble of culture at the time? I mean, I wasn't really in this bubble of culture. Punched the blue out of her hair there. Um... <laughs> I mean, but like, you are someone who enjoys music, who enjoys yes. video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, um, who in- no, I would say he was into the same things, yeah. But the thing is, I yeah, just like... don't understand. I, I, I don't think I have talked to that many people that are just nonplussed by this, but <laughs> the nice gag there where uh, he doesn't know the meaning of the word and it's like he doesn't <laughs> um, that he is this dumb vegan with the uh, the bleach blonde hair but he has his vegan superpowers and I don't know if they deliberately were like like I don't know what came first well again I haven't written it I haven't read it even does the vegan ex have superpowers Yes, the vegan extra superpowers. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think Brian Lee O'Malley is vegan as well because okay. there's an early point because obviously, like, there's a lot of obviously the movie is taking a lot of the kind of interstitial cutaway stuff. All of the little black boxes are pulled straight from the comic book. Like, anytime they say this person right. is this age, it is a direct pull. Yeah. Um, but like, do com- you go out and get Brandon Ruth? Knowing you have a character that has these kind of more explicit superpowers. Oh, I would assume. I would assume it's a very conscious thing, but it's like there's also a 
like the veganity is also stronger in the book where like i think there's one page where they say what they're cooking for dinner and they give you a full vegan recipe right um but yeah i do think like they, they made a conscious effort to i mean like both the two of them at this point the evil exes that are big are both ex-superheroes <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, and God. and they're kind of like the attainable superheroes at this point because it's not like they're going to be able to get um, God who played Spider Man in the Raimi trilogy Tobey Maguire they couldn't get Tobey Maguire to play Gideon yeah oh did they go for him I know I'm, I'm just plucking plucking a name out there that'd be a pretty good casting I would say um, yeah arguably a bit too old for the role <laughs> probably I do like the uh, the touch that Envy isn't vegan herself. It seems from the way this is all talked about, because it's like, oh, Todd's vegan, um, and just this like you know, it feel and we'll find out it is literally posy in a second because vegan kissy, police, kissy. <laughs> vegan police is potentially my favorite movie cameo of all time. Like I know that Samuel L. Jackson coming along as Nick Fury is bigger, but just Thomas Jane just coming in and being like. Milk and eggs, bitch! Like so good. Yeah, it just He's adds to Punisher, man. <laughs> it just adds to the amount of superhero references yeah. or like ex actors or go who go on to be actors in future movies. Mm. I like the touch they punched a hole in the moon, or he punched a hole in the moon for her. Which or... is like throughout the movie. If you look at the moon, you'll always see the hole in the moon as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this failed joke is tremendous. Yeah, like he is. I don't know quite how to describe him, but he he's is this... like he's he's the person who overexplains their jokes because they're just convoluted. Yeah, and like you know, uh, he doesn't know what he thinks he's smart. He's not. He tells these bad, elaborate jokes. Like he thinks because he's vegan, he's you know more powerful and everything. And like I also like that um, you know all the musicians are wearing the wristbands and everything, but his they kind of come across as superhero costumey. Because mm. um, like Scott's wearing them too, and like he dramatically changes them later on and stuff like that. But it's just that kind of subtle. Like he looks like he's in the Fantastic Four, quite frankly, even though he's you know he's three. Um, <laughs> We're in a giant three. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sex Bob I'm just bouncing. Like this is boring to them. Uh, and now we're yeah, about so to this have is, the bass guitar battle. This is the first original fight in the movie, I believe. I think the vegan police do show up, but I think like this can see okay. now that the base battle is the, the first original fight. Yeah. Oh, so good. And the, uh, again, like the D's coming out of the guitar and them like coming out of this darkness. The the cups on the floor is a fantastic touch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like there you go, like adjusting oh he's got the pick in his wristband as well. Like yeah, it's so good and like God, I I am so sad it didn't work out for Brandon Ruth. Like, I'm not saying he had a bad career or has a bad career. It's not over, obviously, but I mean, he's on the fun, or he was on the fun DC show. Like, yeah. probably the best of them at this point. Yeah, and you know, he's a he has that fun cameo in Zack and Mary Make a Porno where he is just like just gay as hell, um, and it's sort of like coming off Superman and doing this and that it's just like look at the range this guy has look how like he is not taking himself too seriously you know like and that he wasn't rewarded with like huge roles is it's kind of sad like i'm not saying i don't think he's like a phenomenal actor but like he's perfectly solid and he is a big guy and everything so it's kind of sad he also seems generally nice yeah he which does. is why it's a shame yeah i like yeah like i would have loved to see- 
<laughs> I would have loved to have seen Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. Like, purely because, like, obviously it's with a comical bent, but he is doing, like, legit superhero posy stuff and big special effects fights and all of this kind of stuff, and he is actually nailing it on top of being really funny. Um, and I think this kind of proves also that you don't have to have a super serious film, or you, you can do a comedy film without sacrificing the quality of the the superhero action, as it were, because mm. I wouldn't ever put these forward as, like, all-time great movie fight scenes, but they're satisfying, and some of them are better than what you get in a Marvel movie. So, like, yeah, I, I would have been... <laughs> his vegan powers fading away because he thought really hard about putting the the milk in that one yeah thomas I, jane here is vegan police like thomas jane is great i i, I mean this movie was cinematographed by uh, the, uh bill pope who did the matrix spider-man 2 so like obviously okay. of an era. Uh, and, yeah and but also i think that like, becomes edgar wright's go-to cinematographer after this like because he does world's end and does baby driver i think they, they they've not done uh a night in soho Together. Yeah, that's. I'm excited about that coming out. Yeah. Uh, chicken isn't vegan. Yeah, I also think that it's the Matrix fight team as well. Okay. You do the stunts on this movie. I'm, I might. So be is wrong it possible Chad Stileski's involved? Possibly. Because <laughs> not all the second unit people get credited. I really love Vegan Police, like, kind of skipping away in a second as well. And they're wearing. <laughs> They're wearing like tiny little shorts as well. I think. Um, <laughs> I like that this is a, a like presumably a government-funded police force has to go around to make sure. <laughs> Vegan is also a terrible <laughs> headbutting him to death. There, yeah. Um, but yeah, Imagine again, how stressful it was if they had to put those coins out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big high five, skipping away, kind of. What do you want more? Do you want Lucas Lee movie or do you want Vegan Police movie? I want both, that's what I mean, I want like a quasi-sequel Okay, they're not wearing those shorts, but you know, they're like skipping away, and again, this is the Punisher This is Thomas Jane, like he's a big macho-looking dude, and he's not he's up for coming in and doing this role where he is not credited anywhere Yeah, um, you just headbutted my boyfriend so hard he burst It's <laughs> a, a fantastic line reading from I guess we're awesome. even Natalie as well, and no one calls her Natalie So good such a shame. Like she, this is the end of it for her, isn't it? She's not back. In yeah, it. yeah. In the comics, she actually comes back. Like she's yeah. a consistent presence because she is the big X in quotation marks. Exactly. Where, um, like I think she's actually captured and performing at the 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 pyramid at the end of book six as well. Hmm. Where like she is, I think she's explicitly dating Gideon by the end. Okay, but yeah. So good. But again, like yeah, they had to make they have to make some cuts to yeah. kind of get the end of this work. And I do think where the movie kind of falls down in presence of the book is that a lot of the female character development mm. happens in the back half, and they right. just don't have time for it because you're trying to condense. Yeah, and it's what, a, what is a six book series into a two hour movie, yeah. and, and it's I don't already think, so packed as well. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't think I want a Scott Pilgrim TV series, but no, 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 no. But and like I talk all the time about like length and like scenes that could be lost and trimming the fat like this is 112 minutes so yeah a decent length i would say but like i can't imagine trying to cut things out of this and they obviously would have had to in the first place but like it all feels so meticulously locked together and particularly how many of the scenes directly transition to each other like i don't know how you go about it um the four you can can you can feel it now where obviously we've had roxy show up beforehand yep 
but like this is the we're now kind of in this kind of breathtaking or not breathtaking but like breakneck pace towards the end of the movie yeah just like, x, 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 yeah. yeah like we've had some time to build up everyone and now we're literally going to go from this fight to the captain of the twins then straight into gideon and obviously gideon's quite long and and involved in how it is but mm. that is like the next 30 minutes of the movie yeah and yeah like a, a nice little moment there from alison pill like again it's not just the over exaggerated like dead behind the eyes type stuff it's also just that like sad little look away at the party here and everything um yeah so good i <sighs> yeah so they referenced the scene that they cut from the comic book which is like he kicked the guy so hard he saw the curvature of the earth that is <laughs> another inkling that scott isn't a good guy in terms of like the way he sees the relationships with the girls no um, he's about to order his G&T, which is obviously what instigates... <laughs> After... <laughs> yeah, every time he says boyfriend, she says exes. That's what I'm talking about, is that, that he hasn't considered that they might not all be boy, <laughs> all be men. Um, May Whitman's so good. Like, it's kind of crazy how often you see her in roles, and then you're like, her biggest role was being a very dull person who fades into the background. It's like, how did she pull off both? Like, you know, she is forever her with the question mark. <laughs> and like, yeah, she is so good at this. And like, I'm a little bi-furious, like bad <laughs> puns. This like try hard goth aesthetic. She's got the cat ears hood and everything. This must have been the most stressful fight to, to choreograph and perform shortly. Oh, where he's punching for her and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to see Ramona get involved and, like, has been. Is, is that a term? <laughs> <laughs> I am obsessed with her outfit. Yes. Like, the cut-through and, like, the little peak of the bra Yeah, is... the bra underneath, yeah. Like, I, what, who did the costumes for this movie? This is a great fight scene. I absolutely adore everything about this. Like, Ramona has the hammer a lot more in the comic book. Okay. Um, there's, a, like, the, there's a fight in Volume 2 or Volume 3, I think it is, where she fights knives with with the hammer because okay. um, they really build up that to a conclusion a lot earlier than it is in the movie uh she feels like a kind of proto harley quinn in some ways <laughs> yeah did she pull it out of her handbag yes she did she's got like an infinitely spaced of handbag course. that's got all kinds of, of stuff course. inside it see look we've got like kip-ups happening here and and backflips and all of this like he's legit good at shooting this action and like i don't know if i'm the bridge is po- probably permanently burned but like if I'm Marvel, I'd be like, come on, come do something with us. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, maybe his choice was Ant-Man and he's got no interest in any other character, and obviously that now firmly belongs to Peyton Reed. Questions about if there will ever even be a third one, but, like, yeah, like, or maybe DC should go for it, um, but... Oh, so, so costumes were done by... Uh, Laura Jean Shannon, who doesn't do many movies. She did Iron Man 1. She's doing a movie that we'll be covering on this podcast, amusingly. Okay. Uh, based on Iron Man 1, you can probably tell what movie that's going to be. <laughs> uh, but she's kind of moved more into TV shows now, which makes okay. sense. But, like, I mean, obviously... I mean, a lot of costume designers are women. Yeah. Uh, but you can tell like, that there's just an aesthetic choice to a lot of the female characters in this movie that feel a lot more realistic than yeah. you do normally get in superhero movies. It's like, like it's like in Birds of Prey. Like they are all dressed in a much more like practical and cool and actually genuinely fashionable way. Um, yeah. you get all these fucking incels being like, look how unsexy she is and it's like, 
Look how fucking cool they look. <laughs> yeah, and I like. I mean, like, the, like, yeah, she's wearing tights, but like, they got fucking like black roses on them, exactly, and yeah. and like the boots earlier on with with Ramona when she's taking them off when they're in the house with the the garlic bread and. BF's not, about to get effed in the beef. I, I don't know how much this joke <laughs> survives. Yeah. Orgas- so orgasming her to death from a touch to the back of the knee. I like that it does also play into this <laughs> this trope of like women so women are well also that like women are able to pleasure other women in ways that men like don't even think about. Like <laughs> and obviously it's a hyper exaggerated one that like a touch to the back of the knee makes her like, you know. But Explode. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Um, but yeah, I think it's also playing into that a little bit. And uh, yeah, like we've gone over it now. But like, one holding the wrists and punching is one thing. But it was when she like pulls his foot back with her foot and kicks the back of his leg to make him do a kick. Like that's just so genuinely impressive and probably incredibly stressful. And yeah, a great scene. Um, she. That's got to be the second shortest. Probably the, the twins have the shortest. Scene. I, I think I think yeah, the, the twins have a really short one, but it is right, like the only reason Roxy sticks out is because she does get seeded earlier. Yeah, but like a lot is achieved in a very short thing there. And oh, Scott yeah, yeah. Scott just threw that venomous line out there. Of, like, did he just say like, is there anyone at this party you haven't slept with or something? Yeah, like that? I think I think he's had a sip of the G and T, and it is very much like he yeah. just the moment he has alcohol, yeah, like can't even keep track of how many drinks he's had. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that the movie is like a paragon of like being able to depict alcoholism or the way that people act when they're drinking, but I do think it's just one of those And I think it's also like he's become very stressed by this. Like it's gone from like a thing he won't engage with to like genuinely anxiety inducing and everything and like when he is stressed his worst behaviours come out kind of thing. And like yeah. I don't think people should be excused for like heat of the moment stuff entirely. Like, I do think there is an element of, like, this is within you, it's just not consciously being accessed all the time. But, yeah, like, it is somewhere in that delicate... See, I think the cat- <laughs> the twins are, like, I think they're fucked over by this film, quite frankly. Like, Oh, uh, okay, I got it wrong, it was, it's the Jackie Chan stunt team that, or parts of the Jackie Chan stunt team that did the fights for this movie, which makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yes. So he's wearing a four and a half t-shirt there. <laughs> What's with that? Is it because I, uh, Ramona helped him fight Roxy? I, so possibly. Like... I, I assume it's just like he is. That's where we're at in the fights. Okay. Yeah, the twins definitely get screwed over. I think here, like the fact that they are treated as one entity and they don't speak, and I don't think there's a backstory scene with them either. No, it's 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 a very weird one. Um, I will say the thing I found out is uh, if you look go on their Wikipedia page and click on the twins like Japanese Wikipedia link, uh, it gives you their blood type. <laughs> of course. I, so I know that both of them are AB. Okay, well that could be useful one day. <laughs> could be if I ever need blood from one of those two. Yeah. I, it, it's now been solved. Yeah, uh, yeah that was just... moved to the green hair now as we set up the end. But yeah, this is the point where I'm like. I kind of wish all seven of the exes were, like, as distinct as the first five. Uh, well, I guess Gideon is distinct as well, but, you know, just that we get a two-for-one deal here and they have almost no character to them, and it's kind I, of... It's it's similar in the book, where, like, book five has become the the more introspective one, where, like, they're almost there incidentally. 
Okay. Uh, like, I think the entire point of it is is so in the book, uh, as it is, has happened to here, Ramona and Scott have broken up. Yeah. And like, Ramona is not in the fifth book at all. Like, she does not make an appearance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And Scott keeps on getting beaten up at parties by the Katsunagi twins until eventually he is kidnapped by them. <laughs> and like, he just can't get his shit together to like fight back. And Kim lies to him and says that Ramona is texting back to say that she's she believes in him and stuff like that, and that's what gives him the impetus to to fight back. Right. Um, and it's all very much kind of like like seeing what Scott is like without Ramona and using them more as a cipher for the emotional development of the cast at that point because it is like Kim is very, like it's where Kim becomes my favorite character in the books, which is like sadly not here in the movie mm. where she becomes this like emotional rock for Scott. And like a big conclusion to the series is them having this big, long, drawn-out conversation about like how shitty he was to her when they were younger. Yeah, and, and like in his growth. Yeah, we are sex war, and we're here to make you f- think about death and get sad and stuff. Is a good <laughs> intro. I really like this song actually. Like when I'm talking about how like they're treated as if they suck, even though they're actually kind of good. Like this is kind of what I'm talking about more. Um, just furious drumming, furiously playing. Um, what kind of club would book these two radically different genres against each other like this? And yet the song is really good. I can't remember who does the uh, the, the electronic side of it, but it is like a really good mashup. Is it racist they have two dragons? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I think the answer is yes, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love the flip there, uh, and also finally to answer the question I asked about five minutes ago, uh, filming started in March two thousand nine and wrapped in August. Okay, so it was a, a good long shoot for this kind of movie. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and uh, Gideon has has debuted here, like he's been spoken about throughout, and you know Scott finally the penny dropping that Gideon is G Man, Jason Schwartzman here, like so good as I think you, you nailed it is that like. He's kind of like, if Scott continued down the path he's on, kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Um, he's like Scott's ghost of Christmas future, as it were. Um, yeah, he is very good at playing that kind of douchey, thinks he's a good guy, sleazy kind of character. Um, are they summoning a yeti here? <laughs> it's some kind of animal. I it's don't know what it's supposed to be. Sort. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's cool, like, it's different, I guess. Uh, it's like it, a Pokemon battle, but with music. Yeah, they're, what do they call that? Giganta something? Gigantamax. Gigantamaxing, okay. That's when you touch them behind the knee. Um, <laughs> okay, the scores are going up as we get further on. And they are, you know, they're, they're now getting... I, like, that is the thing, like... He gets his one up. Um, Which is the artwork from the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World video game that came out. Of course. Um, not only is Scott advancing in terms of beating the X's and everything, and confronted literally by knives here, the band are blowing up, and then like yes. Gideon will like sign them up or like threaten to sign, you know, hold the the idea of a contract uh, over them, and like these kind of this background plotline of what's happening with the band. Like, it's, like, not even the tertiary plot of the movie, but, you know, like, that is happening in the background as well as they're getting bigger, and then yeah. they will drop Scott from the lineup. 
Uh, also, a special shout out to that song, Broken Social Scenes uh, Anthem for a 17 Year Old Girl, which is an okay. amazing song. Love it, two pieces. Yeah. I'm in lesbians, <laughs> I'm in lesbians yeah. with you. Excellent payoff there. Um, yes. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Is the, the reason why you get a right to do this is there's so much setup and payoff. Like, we get the lesbians. You Like, everything it feels like in the first five, ten minutes of the movie gets some kind of recognition or hat tip by the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these aren't just cute jokes for the sake of it. Like, a lot of this stuff is, is for payoff. And, like, you know, this is a traditional I'm in love with you scene and, like, all hope is lost type thing. And it's... I like that you get you get the setup of, like, she can't do anything to stop it. And in the background, you have Under My Thumb playing, mm-hmm. um, which obviously references to what's going to be revealed in a bit. Yes. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I I get that, like, wrapping it up in the plot of the movie um, is a way to address it, but, yeah, still is a bit iffy that he, like, literally controls her like that, but, hey. Um, <laughs> he's so good. He's so, so douchey. Uh, yeah, so they're, like, frantically signing onto <laughs> young Neil stepping in to be the new bass player, and they are signed with G-Man Graves. Yeah. Could you imagine this kind of band being signed nowadays? It feels like <laughs> it feels like nowadays this kind of band would be like, we put our album up on Bandcamp. Yeah, and what's then, the like... point? Yeah, like I'm not saying there's no point in record labels anymore, but it kind of isn't. Um I mean I mean as someone who listens to a preponderance of music. Yes. Uh, I mean, I have. I mean, I should. I think you the link where I was like, "Here's the 375th album I'm listening to from 2019." <sighs> have I heard 375 albums total? Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, you you are a glutton for punishment. But that's the thing is, like, but like, how would you even find half of those things? It's yeah, like, unless you are actively searching out that many albums, Spotify recommendations, playlists, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Scott realizing he said lesbians. His shitty Ramona song. Is this Michael Cera? This is Beck. This is Beck. I should say I have the volume like quite low so that I can hear Ben without, you know. I mean I know this movie <laughs> inside and out. Of course. Bonk. Yeah. This if there was ever a both pick, this is probably one of them. Like this is one of the first things I thought of when we said we were gonna do this decades picks type stuff yeah. um, it's, it's, it's one of those insane things where like my top two from the decade are going to be covered back to back <laughs> right now and yeah. that isn't to say that I don't love movies in the back half of this decade it's just for whatever reason this is hmm. like everything that I was into at this age and yeah. whilst I hadn't done the post university thing where I'm like the sad loner and stuff like that uh, I was that guy who was into 8-bit video games and was into weird indie bands that, like, no one ever knew the name of, and... Yeah. Is that the closest we get to Anna Kendrick's character, like, being that rock for him? Like, <laughs> walking yes. in on some things there? Yeah, I, I guess did, that's, I did, I guess I that's the heavily clipped version of that, like, bigger character for her. Yes, I love the... the oh, that's not so bad. When he reduces the number of X's that he's got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does he? Was it like? Oh, there's eight of them. Oh, there's seven of them. Oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah, and he's done. He's done six. There's only one left. Hmm. But the last one is. Uh... And he's banging a new guy. <laughs> yes. 
Wallace's latest boyfriend. Yeah, I guess that is a uh, a problematic trope as the promiscuous gay man. <laughs> but I don't, but... I don't think it's necessarily like problematic. I think it is like we it's can... f- it's good to see people be like sexually liberal and like owning it. But I, I do think it is kind of like a fairly accurate portrayal of yeah. a particular kind of gay person. Yes. Uh, and he's also kicking him out of the house right now, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Oh, God. Yeah. So we are heading towards the climax of the movie here, and it's going to get huge, and Gideon and his... I do like he's chewing gum throughout all these scenes for the payoff of that little comment that's uh, that's coming soon. But, yeah, like, this giant set of him, like, sitting on this almost throne in his club at the Chaos Theatre... Doesn't even know the name of the band, the Sex Pops. Just signed him up for the fuck of it. We'll probably drop them in a year, like all that sort of stuff. Well, we made it, what, an hour and a bit without having to pause for anything here. But yeah, um, more things about Scott Pilgrim. Hit me with some trivia. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> Sorry, guy. The slow shoelace tie. He hasn't learned how to tie his shoelaces properly. This is hitting me very hard. I I know how to tie my shoes. I just tie them very slowly, and people <laughs> make fun of me. And I'm like, I know how to tie my shoe. I'm just slow. Leave me alone. Oh, this is level seven. Like yes. level five and six were combined. And the passwords are like whatever and ugh and you know this I, is I, all too yeah. cool to care the, type the, the, the shit. Two... The, the Cuomo line that's coming up, are like the two of them are, I think, my favourite Cuomo lines. Um, yeah. Like, the actor who plays Cuomo is Nelson Franklin, has gone on to be in many, many things that I really enjoy. First album's <laughs> much better than the first album. Uh, and the thing is, I know exactly what he's fucking talking about. Yeah. Like, exactly the kind of wanky band that puts out, like, the first album that isn't really their first album. Yes, with, like, <laughs> not mastered, like, terrible quality, like, yeah. But it's perfect. I guess your uh, intense love of Weezer would bring you into contact with that kind of thing, wouldn't it? Uh, we're not going to talk about Weezer. Okay. I mean, but no, they're, they're very true. Like, I mean, like, they are the band that I've got, like, 17 billion different B-sides <laughs> from, and, like, I have the alternate cut of their second album that you can get if you buy four other albums and piece it all together, because yeah. I'm exactly that kind of wanky music fan. Negligible differences between, like, eight different versions of the song. That kind of I stuff. think a very unsung running gag in this movie is Scott's inability to hang up his jacket. Yes, just throwing <laughs> it down. He's just a... He's a messy dude. Like, yeah... So Ramona's sitting there, like, as the, like, you know, cleavagey pet is kind of... Again, I know what they're going for here. Like, she's being literally controlled by him, but it is a bit dodgy. I think, and... I think the, mo- the again, the book kind of nails what they're going for a little bit better, where it becomes a battle in, like, the subspace world. Yeah. That, that they have like and it's something that the book doesn't or the films that really delve into like how they're getting around all these places and teleporting is by going into this alternate dimension of subspace yeah and how she's able to deliver things so quickly and and there we go all the skill points he gets for love see <laughs> the little middle finger here <laughs> we're here to make money and sell out and stuff um 
this is a sign of growth. I remember when I saw this movie for the first time, I was like, oh, it would have been a funny gag if the power of love made him, like, stupid or something. And then, like... Or I was like, I had a problem with love being lesser than self-respect, and now as a not-idiot, I'm like, no, yeah, that makes sense. You need to love yeah. yourself primarily above all things. <laughs> like... Yeah. yeah, you need to you need to know what you want and need before yeah. you're able to actually give yourself to a relationship. Exactly. Uh, you have to be your own I, person. You have to be able to like actually be more than someone's boyfriend. Like I can only imagine how stressful this was because this is again all practical, or like <laughs> the, the coins exploding. How stressful it would be to be the intern having to like sweep up the coins into shape of bodies <laughs> on the floor. Could you please get it right in one take, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little sword in his douchey cane is a good touch as well. His power of love sword, sword destroyed. Love. Yeah. Oh god, he's dressed so. Oh, I hate Again, him. I want to punch costume him. Costume design is so good. It is. I look, the white and the red looks really good on him. It does, but like in a very tryhardy way. <laughs> oh yeah, like he looks exactly like the kind of douchebag at a party. You're like, why you you've dressed up like this? Like you. Yeah. You hate that you like what he's dressed up as because he's obviously a douchebag. And yeah. here we go. The knives with some knives. That, <laughs> the fight that takes place like five books previously finally happens at this point in the movie. I think this is uh... the moment where I was like... Because at this point, Knives doesn't give a shit about Ramona. She's moved on from Scott. Mm. Whereas chicken. The, yeah. <laughs> the, where the, yeah, the movie kind of makes this an emotional through line for growth. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she. I've got no fucking clue who this girl is, really. We had one conversation at a gig, like several weeks ago. It's very uh, end game. You you took everything from me. I don't know who you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, this is a great fight. I love her scarf uh, and the twin knives and everything. Um, yeah, the 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 stereo fights going on is great stuff as well. I mean, this is starting to look a little bit green screeny. I don't know if it was. I think I think but... it's the like it's this I would imagine all the stuff on the the screens around them is green screen. It's yeah, it's like just it was they knives, definitely knives and Ramona set. in particular like they look like they're pasted onto a background. Um and it's probably yeah, it's probably the screens as you say. But I think there were some reshoots that had, like, obviously there were reshoots, because I think the first test screens in the movie have the original ending of Scott ending up with knives that mm. they made a conscious choice to change afterwards. Yes, because that's weak source to knives' character. Um, but it is one of the most popular recurrent things that goes around. It's like, I, obviously, we're both on the same side that like this ending is better, but there yeah. are a lot of people that think Scott should end up with knives. No, and... he doesn't deserve knives. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves someone who is also I, I, trying I, to figure their shit out. Yeah, um, I love this. Like, yeah, the, the, her saying you cheated on me, and then going you cheated on both of us, and like the idea that like, like, there is no difference. You didn't break up with a girl to start going out with another girl. You cheated on us both because you kept us both yeah. in the dark about and, the other one's existence. And his insistence that Ramona wasn't wronged, so it's less bad. It's like no, dude, like you're a big lying liar. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I. I like knives is like setting out in the world and is like this positive force of energy and maybe doesn't know who she is yet but like scott is a guy who should know a bit better and it's time for him to sort his shit out and like ramona isn't as bad as him but i feel you know she's also trying to work on her stuff so i think they are a much better match than like i feel he would like stifle the growth of a knives almost Yes, absolutely. Uh, th this is pulled directly from the book. I think this is like the last sequence that is 
very much based on that. Like, I think this is the, always the ending they intended, which is yeah. Scott fails and has to redo it for, via a one-up to kind of like redo the uh, the the last chunk of the fight, whatever it is, by a lesson that he's learned from the first half. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I mean, I love this kind of stylistic choice after this to go through what we've just seen really, really quickly, yes. but make it look more badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, just going through the doorman and, and yeah, all that stuff. I like this touch that like, she's kind of, six of these exes are like obsessed with her and she's like, whatever, our time is done. And then Gideon is the one that like, Gideon is her envy, you know, like, mm. this is the one big X for her, and we talked about how, like, Scott and, and he have a lot in common, and, like, the reason that she is obsessed with him, and, like, you know, it's this slightly unfortunate trope, but he ignores her, he, like, negs her, like, that kind of stuff, and it's the same way that, like, Scott's aloofness towards Knives makes him so attractive to her, but then when he's so tryhard with Ramona, like, early on at least, she's less interested. Um, and that, like, that Gideon could be here, this, like, evil reflection of him is that, like, he got Ramona the way that Scott got knives, almost. Mm. Um, yeah, like, there's, there's like, no, I wouldn't say it's a cycle of abuse, but there's definitely a cycle of... Every, you kind of give off what you... Everyone has these relationships that that you don't want to think you were the bad guy in, but you probably were. Yeah, for sure. And, like... I don't know, on some level, maybe Ramona needs to be challenged a bit more than she is. And yeah, like him punching all the security people, pushing people Qu- out of the way. Cuomo going the kind of expect in the movie. <laughs> the which I don't hold as a case here. I think they're... But this this is... This there is are about two... as good as it gets for an adaptation, I would say. Exactly. Like, there are like two movies that we were discussing that I think are really fascinating endeavours into the art of adapting something. This mm. being one that is made at the same time but makes enough choices that it is able to work on its own and they yeah. both have strengths and defects like i think this is just such a a burst of creativity and condensing six books worth of plot down into one two-hour movie that it's really impressive even if i do miss elements of the book yeah uh, is it is it the case that some of um Edgar Wright and uh, Michael Bacall's dialogue ended up in books that hadn't been written yet. Like, I, I think they definitely like had conversations about where the plot was going to go and it yeah. did shape where the book was going to end up because they were very much being done at the same time. Like Brandon O'Malley would come to the set, see what they were doing or performances of the characters and have that inform the later books. Yeah. And uh, Is that the exact same shot where... So he's got the sword that's the power of self-respect now and you know he's apologised to Kim um, and... You know, I want to fight you for me, not for her. Like, I don't want to fight over a woman. That's a shitty thing to do. Yeah. That's robbing her of her agency, and you're literally doing that. Um, and then, you know, he beats all the guys really quickly, and then he ends in the same pose. Do you think that is the exact same shot, or do you think he made them... I mean, they probably did multiple takes anyway, but... Like... I would imagine it's probably the same shot, but I also... I Maybe they tightened up or edited some stuff down. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, and Scott, like, realising, like, you know... You shouldn't be fighting with each other. I owe you both an apology. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's not a fast. I love that he apologises to Kim as well, because she is, like, kind of the afterthought of this movie in some ways. And it's like, there are so many people like that where it's like, you probably don't even... You'd rather just ignore that you wronged the person. Yeah, like, you had one sexual encounter five years ago that 
like probably didn't end up well and you've just never talked about it mm-hmm. and it's just like this underlying bubbling thing in your friendship that you don't really want to examine or anything like that yeah like maybe he's like ghosted her slightly or something to try yeah. and fix it and it's like yeah you know I think we owe some people in our lives apologies that we just never make because of social awkwardness and stuff. And yeah, like you don't want to bring up a thing because it's been so long. But yeah, I mean, but you like can it's... see it in the media nowadays. Maybe we should apologize for stuff that happened in the past, even if it is in the past. <laughs> oh, but that was so long ago then. Unless it's something I'm arguing about, in which case it's never too long. Um, um, yeah, the, uh, the final again. This is what I mean in terms of payoffs. Like that's apparently an ad lib from Schwartzman with the the gum. So there is room for some improv then. Uh, yes, there is them, them teaming up in a replication of the... Uh, the ninja game. The ninja game they were playing. Like, they're, they're in sync now. Scott's apologised. They're able to move on and kind of not have this... Like, they... I, and I think I, this is, I think, where people get the idea that maybe Scott and Knives should end up together. It's because they do have this final fight where they are on the same wavelength. Well, they, you know, they share some interests, maybe, that he and Ramona don't. But, like, yeah. that isn't necessarily always a strong foundation for a relationship. You can be into all the exact same things and not have good chemistry or not be right for each other. Or you can be into none of the same things and be incredibly right for each other. Like, and I also like that it's, like, he's not just trying to take the shortest possible route to getting one of the girls. He is genuinely... Like, when he apologises to them and is like, so are we good now? It's not like, all I have to do is apologise and then I get Ramona. It's like, I am sorry, full stop, no expectation that either of you will now take me back. And that's the truest form of an apology. It's not to try and get something out of it. Yeah, it's um, it's because you actually mean to do it. Yeah. This has all gotten very philosophical here. Um, it's this I mean, incredibly I fun I movie. This, I, it is an incredibly fun movie, but I do think it's got intelligent things to say about relationships and the such yeah. like i don't think i don't think it's like something you should base how to have a relationship on. no but it is shockingly nuanced for a movie of yeah. this type yeah uh i bet it was a lot of fun for schwartzman to do the uh the montage of getting punched in the face kind of stuff okay. like all the stills of like right now just put a fist here and make this face and yeah um there is i love the glasses crack hmm it, it, it's, the distortions like, the, yeah, yeah I love he's such I don't know there's sort of like an alpha energy to him mm. but I just love how much of like an arsehole he is in this final moment yeah for sure do you know how long it took me to get all the evil exes you know how inconvenient this was for me slightly <laughs> two hours it took, me, it took me two hours all because you talked to a girl at a party yeah yeah like he is so like the worst case scenario for Scott like, if Scott doesn't make these amends, he ends up like him. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is, I'm blowing up right now. Yes. Uh, kicks his head off into coins. Off. So good. Bill Hader's great KO. Yeah. Uh, Bill yeah, Hader. Right. Just okay. the MVP of everything. This seven, is. Seven billion. <laughs> yeah, for seven X's. No end. <laughs> Why? Because in the comic book, it's seven 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 uh, seven all the way is, down. That is better. <laughs> exactly, like it's such a subtle thing. But like, if it was just all sevens, it would be. Yeah. Do you think some people are just so easily parroted that, like, because Scott is literally standing next to Knives and Ramona's somewhere else, their brain has just told them, right? There's the couple. <laughs> I love them scrounging to pick up the coins because they realise the contract's gone. Thing is, but think how much money there is in this room right now. I know it's all in coins, but the thing is. <laughs> him repeating her gunshot moment um 
this scarf is so impractical. Uh, we are approaching one of my favourite gags in the whole movie. Because uh, that's a, right, I'm assuming it's Nega Scarf. Yes, it is. It's the it's the hard cut <laughs> from from you think there's one more, which is him battling himself. Yeah, to just them just getting on as friends because they're the same person. Like <laughs> I love that so much. Um, in the co- again in the comic and not to harp on this too much. Uh, Nega Scott is the kind of creature that's chasing around before he eventually goes to confront Gideon, okay. and it is and it's more about him. Like all of the emotional legwork he does to apologize to all the people in his life that he's wronged is mm. kind of put in about by Nega Scott and it's like his like, conscious or a conscious almost or almost like he goes to visit guilt. Kim because Kim moves away and he goes to visit her and ends up in a fight with Nega Scott, and it is all about him <laughs> confronting, like, the shitty side of himself. Um, They're just talking about French toast. <laughs> I want brunch now. I've got, I, I know it's the most millennial last thing to do, but the moment that restaurants open up again, oh, God. and I feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And now the hair getting shaggy, here comes the hat, the hat. again. And then her just like, dude, just cut your fucking hair. Like, that she's become more mature than him. And Ramona, I mean, yeah, like, she's she's a seventeen year old who with like room to grow, whereas he's a twenty year old one year old like stunted man boy or twenty two yep. year old stunted man boy. Yeah, needs to move out of that house. Needs to get a proper job. Does he even he doesn't have a job, does he? No, no. He has jobs in the comic book again. Okay, but they're all, they're exactly the kind of thing that you and I were doing, working in like retail stores. Ah <laughs> and... uh, yes, and like now where we sit behind desks and have meaningful lives. Um, <laughs> this is I. And again, I really like this ending as well. Like, I mean, we talked about the different endings, but um, to carry on the thread of like how that's a shockingly mature like discussion of of relationships and everything, and like the way this ends, I think is actually really nice as well. Um, and I, yeah, like I don't. We keep I coming like back to he doesn't deserve you... knives, but I think this is a really good. Yeah, I, I like that it leaves it on like a bit of a. They're gonna try it. They don't know whether or not it's gonna work out. They might end up not being together. This isn't one of those movies where it ends in like, and they live happily ever after, and it's a perfect relationship, and we don't need to see what happens in the intervening years. Once you've won the girl, it's all over. Yeah, I think it's very much like more ambiguous than that, where it's like they're probably gonna have to deal with some shit. They're probably gonna have to like. Yeah. I'm not. It's not a movie that's about trauma or the things that you deal with. They're both mostly well-adjusted people they're just kind of unlucky in love yeah and it's like you know i'm not promising you a relationship but like do you want to be around each other while we try and figure some things out and maybe it doesn't work out but like let's not just cut off all contact like he's probably not going to see knives much if ever again uh at this point but yeah like her little smile here her little smile of like oh you want to stick around with yeah like like this is the first guy that's like all the other guys have felt kind of like clingy possessive and like they want to do it because she's a possession to be one where he's like, I actually want to try it, which I think is what makes this more healthy at the end. And yeah, he wants the, he wants the, what comes after banging the incredibly hot stylish yeah. chick. Like, and we get the instrumental Ramona and then walking in through the subspace door. So and... Oh, that's what you're talking about with the subspace battle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the continue is a great little touch to end the movie. 
Yeah, we did it. We talked we through it. a movie. And I'm we getting... Did. What are you getting a trailer for? I'm getting a trailer for Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. Oh, I got Defy Bloods. I'm going to click on the credits. We can talk so, over the last yeah, three yeah. minutes as okay. we do this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got Defy Bloods, which was out yesterday, and I've not watched yet. I okay. might double bill it with Artemis Fowl and have a terrible <laughs> movie and a good movie. Yeah, I, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I, I saw this like three times in the cinema. I like, still, it, there are so few movies I've seen twice. <laughs> I don't know how you can it. Do was it. like, we, we saw it like the opening weekend and yeah. it was like four of us and three of us who were all like, we're all massive music nerds, massive video game nerds, massive movie nerds, massive comic nerds. Yeah. Absolutely fucking loving it. And we dragged like the one guy and his girlfriend and he was like, going, like that was shit. That was like, <laughs> absolutely terrible. And like, I've had it from some people who it can feel overwhelming it's, it's kind of an assault on the senses <laughs> yeah and like if you don't understand some of the visual language it, it's sort of akin to throwing someone who's never played a video game before throwing them a controller and telling them okay go sit and play bloodborne sure. and then just watching them kind of go like That's what do intense, i do what <laughs> Actually, now I think about it, maybe I did see this twice, and the person I saw it with second was very nonplussed by it, actually. This is now coming back to me, yeah. But, I mean, I might put it in my top five, but it's not so much about how much I like it, it's just that, as we've said at the top of this, that, like, it's such an immediate tastemaker of a, like, how do we gel with each other? You're either all about this, or we're probably not going to vibe. And it's not even that I think this is the best film in the world ever. You know, I have a pretty firm, like, top three movies of all time, and this isn't one of them. But, like, it's certainly on that peripheral of, like, five to ten, probably. Oh, God, the music soundtrack on this film is tremendous. Seinfeld, courtesy of Warner Bros. <laughs> Final Fantasy II Battle, yeah. written by Nobuo Yamato. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely... I, again, it's my number two for the decade. It's in my top ten of all time. <laughs> it's, like, that intangible thing where Edgar Wright is obviously a massively talented director. I think this is the movie where I see his aesthetics kind of mesh with the tone of it all the best. Like, And obviously, he's great at the referential, but this feels like he's kind of creating a language, which Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, they're all riffing on very particular kind of genres and the such. Whereas this is him, like, yes, he is adapting something, and uh, you can see that kind of trend continue with Baby Driver, where he is, again, kind of creating something that feels original and of its own cloth. But this is kind of like Speed Racer, where it is mm. it's just so visually fascinating that it's kind of hard not to be enamored with it. I don't know what your feelings on Speed Racer are, but I think it is like a deeply fascinating movie that they decided to follow up. I think I saw it too young and didn't appreciate how fucking cool it is. <laughs> it's the problem with Speed Racer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Wow, we did it. We talked through a film. Um, again, it is a shame that we didn't get to do this one in person. This is the best we could do. We will bring you a more traditional episode next week. If you weren't watching along with us and you were just trying to listen, apologies if this was ever like infuriating as we had ADHD and we're like, so here's a big conversation. Haha, <laughs> lesbians. Um, <laughs> yeah, we will bring you a more traditional episode next week. Ben mentioned it is his number two for the decade. My number my number one for the decade oh, is okay. the next film. Which... This is one, again, that I was incredibly obsessed with for a long time. Largely because of who wrote it, but also just, I'll talk about about it when we talk about it but yes next week is going to be the social network which feels just so apt for what is happening in the world right now to talk about that man but yeah that will be next week thank you ben for watching scott pilgrim with me i don't think we have any other post type stuff in this it's been a while since we did a there will be movies yeah no we don't we don't really do a wrap-up there's not really much to compare all these movies to uh, this yeah. was fun uh, thank you for indulging me in this crazy idea that i had to have something special for a hundredth episode it's posting a bit late for it to be what is it the website's fourth anniversary or fifth anniversary well the website has existed for longer but podcasting sure. it would be for yeah um, i think it's posting a bit late for it to be that time but like it also does kind of line up quite nicely with that 
and a rare Michael Cera as the lead in a big movie. So, you know, those stopped happening after a while. That's thing is, there was this massive like wave of them around this era where you had like Youth in Revolt and and all those other ones. And then I think people realised after I think this is the big one that kind of killed him as leading man mm. considering it's such a bomb. And it is. So it's good though, but he's got so much support. Is the thing? Yeah, um, it's obviously a beloved movie. I do think I mean, I'd like to imagine that it's made its money back through streaming and DVD because the DVD is tremendous. Yeah, um, the 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 different art cards and stuff you can get for it. I've got that version sitting on a shelf with the four. But yeah, Edgar Egg, Wright is just one of those guys who knows how to do extras. Like there is some, there's like I think multiple commentaries and so much breakdowns and alternate cuts and mm. deleted scenes and yeah, like his hot fuzz comes with his first short film he ever directed as an extra nice <laughs> but as we said from one incredibly meticulous director to another and then a third after that right <laughs> like, yes. we've got a stream yeah. of the like prima donna directors as it were but yes 2010 was a good year for movies and it's kind it of was. shocking we gave it the best director and best picture to the director of Les Miserables god really okay but yes well, next it's, week. it's King's Speech which is about moving the Les Mis but but yeah next week social network I look forward to it this is our longest episode but Ben will there be movies there will be so many movies Maybe not covered in this style, though. Will there be comments on my Facebook wall? Uh, Bye, everyone. (laughs)